0: Book Four, Chapter Three of British Goblins Welsh Folklore, Fairy Mythology, Legends and Traditions. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. British Goblins Welsh Folklore, Fairy Mythology, Legends and Traditions by Wurt Sykes. Book Four. Chapter three Part one in the traditions concerning Welsh stones Abundant personal attributes are according to them such as in nature belong only to animals They were endowed with volition and with voice They could travel from place to place without mortal aid They would move uneasily when disturbed by human contact they expanded and contracted at will they clung to people who touched them with profane or guilty purpose they possessed diverse qualities which made them valuable to their possessors such as the power of rendering them invisible or of filling their pockets with gold in pursuing the various accounts of these stones in welsh folklore we find ourselves now in fairyland now in the domains of mother church now listening to legends of enchantment now to tales of saintly virtue now giving ear to a magician now to a monk Stone worship of which the existing superstitions are remains Was so prevalent under the saxon monarchy that it was forbidden by law in the reign of Edgar the peaceable ninth century and When canute came in the following century he also found it advisable to issue such a law that this pagan worship was practiced from a time of which there is now no record is not questioned and The perpetuation of certain features of this worship by the early Christians was in spite of the laws Promulgated for its suppression by a Christian king In this manner the monks were enabled to draw to themselves the peasantry in whose breasts the ancient Superstition was strong and who willingly substituted the new story for the old, so long as the underlying belief was not rudely uprooted. Part 2 Among the existing stones in Wales, with which the ancient ideas of occult power are connected, one in Carmarthenshire is probably unique of its kind. It is called Canner's Stone, and lies in a field adjoining the old church of Flangham, now remote from the population whose ancestors worshipped in it the church was founded by by an American lady of rank named canna who was sainted the stone in question forms a sort of chair and was used in connection with a magic well called Finnan canna which is now like the church deserted and wretched patients suffering from ague in order to profit by its healing power must sit in the chair of canna's stone after drinking the water if they could manage to sleep while in the chair the effect of the water was supposed to be made sure The process was continued for some days sometimes for two or three weeks In the middle of this parish there is a field called parky Fonwent, or the churchyard field where according to local tradition The church was to have been originally built But the stones brought to the spot during the day were at night removed by invisible hands to the site of the present church Watchers in the dark heard the goblins engaged in this work, and pronouncing in clear and correct Welsh these words, "Flangan Daimarfan," which mean "Flangan, here is the spot." Similar miraculous removals of stones are reported and believed in other parts of Wales. Sometimes visible goblins achieve the work; sometimes the stones themselves possess the power of locomotion. The old British historian Nennius speaks of a stone, one of the wonders of the Isle of Anglesey, which walks during the night in the valley of Aethyne, being once thrown into the whirlpool Ceravus, which is in the middle of the sea called Menai. It was on the morrow found on the side of the aforesaid valley. Also in Builth is a heap of stones, upon which is one stone bearing the impress of a dog's foot this was the famous dog of king arthur named cabal which left its footprint on this stone when it hunted the swine troint arthur himself gathered this heap of stones with the magic stone upon it and called it khan cabal and people who take away this stone in their hands for the space of a day and a night cannot retain it for it returns itself to the heap the anglesey stone is also mentioned by giraldus through whom it achieved celebrity under the name of Mein Mordwyd, or the Thigh Stone, Quote, a stone resembling a human thigh which possesses this innate virtue that whatever distance it may be carried it returns of its own accord the following night. Hugh, Earl of Chester, in the reign of King Henry I, having by force occupied this island and the adjacent country, heard of the miraculous power of this stone and for the purpose of trial ordered it to be fastened with strong iron chains to one of a larger size and to be thrown into the sea on the following morning however according to custom it was found in its original position on which account the earl issued a public edict that no one from that time should presume to move the stone from its place a countryman also to try the powers of this stone Fastened it to his thigh which immediately became putrid and the stone returned to its original situation End This stone ultimately lost its virtues however for it was stolen in the last century and never came back Part 3 the talking stone or stone of loquacity Served as a bridge over the river Allen bounding the churchyard of St. David's in Pembrokeshire on the northern side it was a marble slab worn smooth by the tread of many feet and was ten feet long six feet broad and one foot thick Ancient tradition relates that one day quote when a corpse was being carried over it for interment The stone broke forth into speech and by the effort cracked in the middle which fissure is still visible and on account of this Barbarous and ancient superstition the corpses are no longer brought over it End quote in this same parish of st david's there was a flight of steps leading down to the sea among which were a certain few which uttered a miraculous sound like the ringing of a bell the story goes that in ancient times a band of pirates landed there and robbed the chapel the bell they took away to sea with them but as it was heavy they rested it several times on their way and ever since that day the stones it rested upon have uttered these mysterious sounds when struck also in this parish is the renowned expanding stone an excavation in the rock of st. Gowan's Chapel Which has the magic property of adapting itself to the size of the person who gets into it growing smaller for a small man and larger for a large one Among its many virtues was that if a person got into it and made a wish and did not change his mind while turning about the wish would come true the original fable relates that this hollow stone was once solid that a saint closely pursued by pagan persecutors sought shelter of the rock which thereupon opened and received him concealing him till the danger was over and then obligingly letting him out this stone may probably be considered as the monkish parallel for the magic stones which confer on their possessor invisibility as we find them in the romances of enchantment in the Mabinogian, such stones are frequently mentioned, usually in the favourite form of a gem set with a ring. Take this ring, says the damsel with yellow curling hair, and put it on thy finger with the stone inside thy hand, and close thy hand upon the stone, and as long as thou concealest it, it will conceal thee. But when it is found, as we find in the following these clues further, that this stone of invisibility was one of the thirteen rarities of kingly regalia of the island of britain that it was formerly kept at caleon in monmouthshire the city whence st david journeyed into pembrokeshire and that it is mentioned in the triads thus quote, the stone of the ring of luned which liberated owen the son of urian from between the portcullis and the wall Whoever concealed that stone, the stone or bezel would conceal him. End quote. The strong probability appears that we are dealing with one and the same myth in the tale of magic and in the monkish legend. Traced back to a period more remote than that with which these Welsh stories ostensibly deal, we should find their prototype in the ring of Gyges. The stone of remembrance is another stone mentioned in the Mabinogion also a jewel endowed with valuable properties which it imparts not merely to its wearer but to any one who looks upon it says Idauk to the enchanted dreamer on the yellow calfskin dost thou see the ring with a stone set in it that is upon the emperor's hand i see it he answered it is one of the properties of that stone to enable thee to remember that thou seest here to-night and hadst thou not seen the stone Thou wouldst never have been able to remember aught thereof Still another stone of rare good qualities is that which Peridur gave to Eclim in reward for his attendance the stone which was on the tail of a serpent and whose virtues were such that Whosoever should hold it in one hand in the other he would have as much gold as he might desire Peridur, having vanquished the serpent and possessed himself of the stone immediately gave it away in that spirit of lavish free-handedness which so commonly characterizes the heroes of chivalric british romance part four in the church of st david's of llanfais according to giraldus was preserved among the relics a stone which caught a thieving boy in the act of robbing a pigeon's nest and held him fast for three days and nights only by assiduous and long-continued prayer were the unhappy boy's parents able to get him loose from the terrible stone and the marks of his five fingers remained ever after impressed upon it so that all might see them there was a stone of similar proclivities in the valley of maudwin which did good service for the church a certain st Tideco, a relation of king arthur who slept on a blue rock in this valley was persecuted by maelgren Gunid one day this wicked knight came with a pack of white dogs to hunt in that neighbourhood and sat down upon the saint's blue stone when he endeavoured to get up he found himself fastened to his seat so that he could not stir in a manner absurdly suggestive of french farces and he was obliged to make up matters with the saint he ceased to persecute the good man and to make amends for the past gave him the privilege of sanctuary for a hundred ages part five as for stones of healing with qualities resembling those abiding in certain wells they appear in many shapes now it is a mine here against which the afflicted peasant must rub himself now it is a pebble which he must carry in his pocket the inevitable wart reappears in this connection the stone which cures the wart is found by the roadside wrapped in a bit of paper and dropped on a crossroad to him who picks it up the wart is transferred. Children in Pembrokeshire will not at the present day pick up a small parcel on a crossroad, suspecting the presence of a wart bearing stone. In Carmarthen are still to be found traces of a belief in the alluring stone, whose virtue is that it will cure hydrophobia. It is represented as a soft white stone about the size of a man's head, originally found on a farm called this about twelve miles from Carmarthen town Grains were scraped from the stone with a knife and administered to the person who had been bitten by a rabid dog And the peculiarity of the stone was that though generation after generation had scraped it nevertheless it did not diminish in size a Woman who ate of this miraculous stone after having been bitten by a suspicious cur testified that it caused a boiling in her blood the stone was said to have fallen from the sky in the first instance part six stones standing at cross-roads are seldom without some superstitious legend a peasant pointed out to me on a mountain-top near crumlin monmouthshire a cross stone beneath which he asserted a witch sleeps by day coming forth at night least they say so he explained with a nervous look about him but there you i was never see anything and i was passed by there many nights yes indeed often the man's eagerness to testify against the truth of the tradition was one of the most impressive illustrations possible of lingering superstitious awe in this connection a famous welsh witch who used to sleep under a stone at flamberis in north wales was called canrig but, and her favorite dish at dinner was children's brains. A certain criminal who had received a death sentence was given the alternative of attacking this frightful creature, his life to be spared should he succeed in destroying her. Arming himself with a sharp sword, the doomed man got upon the stone and called on Canrig to come out. Wait till I have finished eating the brains of this sweet little skull was her horrible answer. However forth she came presently when the valiant man cut off her head at a blow To this day they scare children thereabout with the name of Canrig Boot. Part 7 in every part of Wales one encounters the ancient memorials of King Arthur Sometimes to be dimly connected with the historical character, but more often with the mythical figure each with its legend or its bundle of legends poetic patriotic or superstitious Arthur's round table at Cillian Monmouthshire is as well known to every boy in the neighborhood as any inn or shop of the village It is a grass-grown Roman amphitheater whence alabaster statues of Adrian's Day have been disinterred There is also an Arthur's round table in Denbighshire a flat-topped hill thus called and in Anglesey another near the village of arthur's seat arthur's bed arthur's castle arthur's stone arthur's hill arthur's coit arthur's board arthur's carn, arthur's pot these are but a few of the well-known cromlechs, rocking-stones or natural objects to be found in various neighbourhoods they are often in duplicates under these names but they never bear such titles by any other authority than traditions reaching back into the dark ages some of the stories and superstitions which attach to them are striking and of the most fascinating interest to the student of folklore Others are merely grotesque as in the case of Arthur's pot this is under a cromlech at Dolwillim on the banks of the Tawi and In the stream itself when the water is high it is a circular hole of considerable depth Accurately bored in the stone by the action of the water this hole is called Arthur's pot and according to local belief was made by Merlin for the hero king to cook his dinner in Arthur's coits are found in many parts of the country a Large rock in the bed of the Saudi River on the thlangaddock side of miniged do the black mountain is one of these coits The story is that the king one day flung it from the summit of pen Arthur a mile away there is another large rock beside it which was similarly flung down by a lady of Arthur's acquaintance whose gigantic proportions may be guessed from the fact that this boulder was a pebble in her shoe which annoyed her part eight upon this hint there opens out before the inquirer a wealth of incident and illustration in connection with gigantic Britons of old time who hurled huge rocks about as pebbles there is the story of the giant idris who dwelt upon Cadair idris and who found no lesser number than three troublesome pebbles in his shoes as he was out walking one day and who tossed them down where they lay on the road from dolgathy to mackinleth three bulky crags there are several legends about Molwalbeck's pebbles in Breconshire. this lusty dame has a full score of shadowy castles on sundry heights in that part of wales and she is said to have built the castle of hay in one night In performing this work she carried the stones in her apron one of these a pebble about a foot thick and nine feet long Fell into her shoe at first she did not notice it But by and by it began to annoy her and she plucked it out and threw it into Chloe's churchyard three miles away where it now lies in many parts of Wales, where lie rude heaps of stones, the peasantry say that they were carried there by a witch in her apron. The gigantic creatures whose dimensions are indicated by these stones reappear continually in Welsh folklore. Arthur is merely the greatest among them; all were of prodigious proportions. Hugh Gadan Cadwallader rittergaul brutus. Idris, are all members of the shadowy race whose quoits and pebbles are scattered about Wales. The remains at Stonehenge have been from time immemorial called by the Cymru the Cor Gore, circle or dance of giants. How the Carmarthen enchanter Merlin transported these stones hither from Killara mountain in Ireland by his magic art, everybody knows. It is only necessary that a stone should be of the size to make the idea of removing it an apparently hopeless one That Merlin or some other magician brought it there by enchantment or that Arthur or some other giant tossed it there with his mighty arm is a matter of course The giant of trick a fairy haunt in cardiganshire Appears to have been the champion pebble tosser of Wales if local legend may be trusted Having invited the neighboring Giants to try their strength with him in throwing stones He won the victory by tossing a huge rock across the sea into Ireland His grave is traditionally reported to be on that mountain and to possess the same properties as the expanding stone for it fits any person who lies down in it be he tall or short It has the further virtue of imparting extraordinary strength to anyone lying in it but if he gets into it with arms upon his person, they will be taken from him, and he will never see them more. Part nine. The gigantic stone tossers of Wales associate themselves without effort with the mythology of the heavens. One of their chiefest, Idris, was indeed noted as an astrologer and is celebrated as such in the triads. Idris Gaul or the giant Idris or the diviner by trees Gwyn the son of nude the generous So great was their knowledge of the stars that they could foretell whatever might be desired to be known until the day of doom and Among Welsh legends none is more familiar than that of Ritter gore Wherein the stars are familiarly spoken of as cows and sheep and the firmament as their pasture End of book four Chapter 3